Hi everyone, this is Criterion Channel Surfing, and I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Just a quick note before we begin today's show. Apologies for the delay in getting our April episodes edited and out onto your feeds. Crisis communication work schedules, health issues, and shortened bandwidth for after-hours editing have continued to keep episodes from getting out as frequently as I would like. Like our other episodes that have been produced since the COVID-19 crisis began, the episode you're about to hear is lightly edited. We also had some technical issues with the recording that has caused the audio quality to be a little bit lower than I would normally like. We'll be recording our May episode soon, and just to give you all a heads up, it'll be a slightly different format than normal. We'll have on a few guests for an informal conversation about the month's new and expiring titles, and we'll release the episode fairly soon after recording so that I can take some time off during the second half of the month from both my day job and the podcast. Which does lead into our final announcement before we get into today's show. Every May, I take a few weeks off to attend the Seattle International Film Festival, but SIF has wisely been canceled this year. However, instead of canceling my vacation time, I've decided to program my own virtual film festival from May 15th to 31st using services like the Criterion Channel, Ovid, Mubi, Shutter, Hulu, Netflix, and more, along with the occasional on-demand title. For anyone who would like to join me, the full schedule will be posted in early May, along with links to each of the films on my website, cinemacocktail.com. Thanks for listening, and now, here's the show. You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, The Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Robert Taylor, frequent contributor to the Criterion Reflections and Criterion Now podcasts, as well as a screenwriter and critic at the Robert Taylor Odyssey, joins me today to discuss April's new releases and expiring titles. And Michael Hutchins stops by to talk about the state of Criterion's permanent digital library. Stay with us as we start surfing the Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel surfing, check out Criterion Reflections, hosted by David Blakesley. Join David and his guests on their chronological journey through the films of the Criterion Collection. Each episode provides an in-depth discussion into the cultural context for the films discussed and covers Criterion releases on DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc, and the Criterion Channel. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. Criterion Cast a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is Robert Taylor, screenwriter and critic at the Robert Taylor Odyssey. He's also a frequent contributor to Criterion Reflections and the Criterion Now podcast. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It is my pleasure, my friend. <laughs> yeah, and you're coming at us from uh, not the usual sunny California. You're coming at us from uh, a different part of the country. Uh, how are you doing today? I am good. I am currently in Akron, Ohio, and I am very much enjoying my time here. It snowed 
yesterday and the day before it was 70 degrees. So odd, interesting, and I am enjoying spending time with my mom in a t- in our quarantine. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's it's really good to have you on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. These episodes are during our kind of isolation and quarantine times are going to be a little looser. They're going to be a little less edited and polished than uh, I normally like to make them. But you know what? That's okay. I feel like you and I have a good rapport. We have a good, easy conversation. And uh, I think uh, we'll have some fun conversations here about the channel, about new and expiring titles for April, and about comedies uh, uh, over the course of the next couple hours and the next three episodes that uh, this conversation will eventually be edited into. (laughs) So let's just kick things off. Uh, Robert, the channel how long have you been a subscriber and uh what are your thoughts on the criterion channel well i've been a subscriber since day one but i hadn't really used the channel as much as i would have liked last year because i was doing my own thing where i decided to review every single one of criterion's physical releases so I had the channel, I sometimes used the channel, but I wasn't using it that much. That said, this year, I've really dived in, in a very meaningful way, and realized I kind of like it more than Filmstruck. I really appreciate all of the bonus features, uh, your conversation with uh, Michael, it was Michael Hutchins, correct? In the previous episode about how to access them and how to search for specific commentaries by specific people has been great. And it really is just a life raft in this time of COVID that you can just go on and no matter what mood you're in, whether you're in the mood for an Agatha Christie whodunit or you're in the mood for you know, a fun children's film, or if you're in the mood to just weep and weep and weep, there's something there for you, and it probably has bonus features. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really, really appreciate all of the content that is so easily accessible. I mean, it's just, it's pretty incredible uh, when you really look at it. Uh, I continue to be amazed at the just deluge of content that gets poured on us every month right it's phenomenal i do actually need to go back and make a quick correction because i'm not uh going to be editing this episode quite as heavily as normal Uh, i think that conversation was with matt gasteyer michael and i have gone through some stuff with the supplements but i think matt really kind of gave us some tips on how to find those individual commentaries and how to to search for commentaries by specific scholars or directors so well you did warn us that it was going to be fast and loose and and i will just have to send apology flowers to everyone (laughs) well i i don't expect you to keep track of uh who says what on my show i'm the one who needs to make sure to to do that so uh, i'll i'll be the one to send those apology flowers out um (laughs) What do you think so far about the the interface and the selection of films on the channel? Uh, how are you finding navigating the the films and uh, finding content? 
I'm really having not too many problems with it. I mean, sometimes when you search if it's a lesser-known film, for example, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about a very pregnant, uh, a slightly pregnant man uh, later today. Uh, I looked up pregnant, and I had to scroll through about 20 movies before I got to the actual movie that mm -hmm. I wanted. So sometimes the search stuff is a little bit wonky, but... In terms of accessibility, I don't have that many problems. And I know that it's it would be easy to hem and haw about a million different things, but I'm just happy it exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, you know, you, you start to find as you search more and more those little tricks, right, of adding one more word or, you know, searching by director rather than the title. And it's those little things that you start to find for yourself as you continue to play around with the service as, as you go on, right? Yep, exactly. How have you uh, been approaching some of the more limited content? Has that been something that you have uh, really kind of gravitated towards more? Or have you really stuck to some of those more back catalog titles? I think it's just blind panic. Oh, God, oh, God, I only <laughs> have this amount of time in order to watch it. And then, of course, you add it all to your list. And then you end up watching uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg for the sixth time. And then the content is gone and then you just weep or maybe that's my <laughs> own personal issue, but it's a, you feel so accomplished when you add the stuff that's about to go in a week or two to your list, you see it all pretty there. And then invariably I will forget. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and, Actually, you bringing up Umbrellas of Cherbourg is a really interesting thing because, you know, I know that's one of your favorite films. You're a big Jacques Demy fan and you have the disc, but I'm guessing your disc is back in L.A., right? Yes, the disc is back in L.A. I only brought a bunch of film noir box sets with me uh, and... Uh, hilariously, I brought the Columbia box sets as well right before <laughs> it all got uploaded to Criterion again. But it's so wonderful to have this access to classic films from the collection uh, that I would have to bring an extra suitcase for otherwise. Yeah, and I love that you know, you're able now to, while you're at home, while you're in Ohio, away from your collection you're able to watch most of the films that would be sitting on your shelf otherwise. Precisely. And I fundamentally understand why they don't put all the new releases. They only put some of the new releases. But you know what? They put enough other stuff on there that it allows me to forgive them. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, that's really fun. That's I, I love hearing what people's experiences are with the channel and uh, the things that uh, are really... Uh, exciting to them or the things that uh, really uh, work for them. Uh, anything that you kind of wish that they would fix or any kind of bugs or glitches that you find a little frustrating or some workarounds that you've had to find for yourself? I found that it force quits more often than not on older fire sticks. The, mm. In my own bedroom, I have in the bedroom in the house that I'm staying in, there's an older fire stick attached to the TV and it force quits probably once a night. And then I lose my spot in the movie and I have to refigure out where I was. However, on the newer fire stick out front in the main living room, everything's fine and dandy. 
Okay. Okay. So it's a a little glitch on that older model there. But other than that, I mean, that's not really a problem. I think, you know, most apps have tiny little bits like that. And I, again, don't really hold it against it just because so awesome in all the right ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Robert. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the the channel. I know I'm more positive than I normally am. It's it's crazy. <laughs> this is this is really this is like a love fest for Criterion Channel. This is great. <laughs> well, Robert and I are going to be back in just a moment to talk about the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of April. But first, I'm going to check in with Michael Hutchins as he gives us an update on the state of Criterion's permanent digital library. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out The Complete Podcast, hosted by Matthew Gasteyer and Travis Trudell, covering the filmographies of the world's most renowned directors one season at a time. The Complete is dedicated to taking chronological journeys through the most rewarding filmographies in cinema. Each season covers one director, with each episode focusing on one feature film from their catalog. The first season was dedicated to Stanley Kubrick, while the second season covered Elaine May. The current third season is focused on Krzysztof Kieślowski, the Polish director most famous for the Decalogue and the Three Colors trilogy. Find out more at thecompletepod.blueberry.net. I am here with Michael Hutchins, one of our regular contributors to Criterion Channel Surfing. He is a frequent contributor as well to most of the Facebook groups dedicated to the Criterion Collection. He's joining me today to talk about the state of Criterion's permanent digital library. Michael, thank you so much for talking with me today. Oh, thank you too, Josh. Great to be here. Uh, I just want to check in with you. You know, we're all housebound right now. How are you holding up? How are you uh, managing right now? I am hanging in there. You know, it's just not unusual for me to to be at home watching TVs by my, watching TV by myself. So, yep, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Well, you know, we're at a year now of having the Criterion Channel, and you know, just as you know, anecdotally, as we look at the numbers of people who are now joining the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group, you know, we're seeing more and more people engaging with the service, it seems. More and more people seem to be looking for this service uh, and engaging with the films there. So I think that this is a great time to look back and to look at the service and, and you know, none of us really knew what what to expect from it when it launched and let's let's dive in and kind of celebrate this service that we have really come to love and appreciate so uh, let's let's just look at this um michael what are we looking at here you've done some numbers you've crunched the numbers and looked at uh, all of the offerings over the last year what are we looking at here we're looking at a lot of good stuff here. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> as we record this, we're just two days away from uh, the first year anniversary of the launch of the service. That would be in April the 8th of 2019. So here we go, you know, almost a year later. And I can give you, you know, 
all the stats you need, how many films were played, how many uh, were part of the permanent library, all of the limited engagements. But uh, let's let's start off now with exactly the total number of films that streamed on the channel. Uh, when I give you this figure, I'm only including those films that were featured, meaning that they either had their own they had their own collection or they were actually featured within a collection. I'm not including the supplements that are part of another film's collection. So in this case, that's mainly just the films that were featured or have their own page, uh, depending on what app you're using. So uh, the total of, of 2019 to 2020, one year anniversary, was 2,349 films in total. So that's that's a lot of movies. Let's say if you... Let's say you're under lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 365 days. That's uh, what is that? About three, six, seven, seven films a day. Uh, no sleep. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. You know, I, again, I, I I think since this podcast began, I keep repeating this. When the Criterion Channel began, none of us really thought that the channel would be this robust. None of us knew that we were going to get this much content every month. No, we were, we were pleasantly surprised and, and it's just uh, been amazing what they've offered over this past year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of these are limited engagements. A lot of these are films that are, that come and go from time to time. So, when we look at the permanent library, what are we looking at there? Oh, we're looking at over 1,500 movies. That means that these movies are going to be there, and they've been there from the start. There have been a few films added during the year to this permanent streaming mm. library, but overall, you're getting the, the films that were the film library that has been growing ever since they started uh, streaming their films back on Hulu. Then we had the films that were added on Filmstruck, and now the few films that are now being added to the new Criterion channel. This is, I mean, that's, that's an incredible, just wealth of, of titles. You know, I, I know that people uh, are eager to pounce on those, those limited engagements, right? We, we all want to catch up on all the films that are going to disappear, but I mean, 1500 films yes. that, that belong to the service that really are, probably not ever going to leave. Oh no, these these are films that were licensed from Janus, their sister company, so it's it's very unlikely that they were ever leave. There have been a few and that's uh that's just to you know one or two over the last year, uh The Killing of a Chinese Bookie mm-hmm. is a Janus film that was that played for a while and re- was removed. Also Vim Vendors uh The Buena Vista Social Club played mm-hmm. for a little while and left. Those I would have assumed would have been permanent titles, but there could have been some uh, some problems with getting the actual streaming license from Janus in its contract with the owners of the films. Yeah, yeah. And well, when we look back on that that fifteen hundred films, uh, over nine hundred of them appeared on uh, physical spine number releases. So mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty big amount for those persons who just aren't into physical media and still but still want the Criterion experience. And yeah. most of those were getting the supplements that were created by by Criterion for those physical releases also available. And this is, you know, something new that well they first started it with Filmstruck, but now we're getting uh, you know, just tons of supplements with their uh 
the spine numbered releases are now available to be streamed on the channel. Oh, that's really, that's really, I mean, incredible. 961 spine numbered releases. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Of that 961 films, uh, some of them weren't actually all featured releases on those mm. physical release on those physical spine numbered releases. So, for instance, you have uh, certain films that have become their they're permanent on the channel and they have their own pages, but they're not they would they, they weren't featured on the disc. For instance, the short films uh, that were available on the disc, they now have their own pages, so they are an actually featured film. They're not just supplements mm. uh, when it comes to the channel itself. So they're actually getting highlighted there. Yes, yeah. that's it. They're they're actually spotlighted films. For instance, like the let's take the films in the uh, uh, Jacques Tati box. You know, it mm, includes yeah, uh, yeah. all of those shorts that are in that box, or also have their own featured pages on the website. Wow. So even though there's like six or so films featured in the box, there's a, there's about twelve or thirteen that are actually mm. featured on the channel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look at your your document you've compiled that uh, lists all the breakdowns, uh, something I find really fascinating that there are 20 non-spine-numbered physical releases. I feel like these are the hidden gems in Criterion and Janice's library. These are the things that people often overlook. I mean, obviously, some of these are from the Bergman box set. Yes, yes, most what, of them but, are. But what are some of the other things that you might find in these 20 non-spine-numbered physical releases? Oh, you'll have the children's films, The Red Balloon, White Mane, and uh, Paddle to the Sea. They never got spine-numbered releases, but they are mm-hmm. were physically released, and they are featured now on the channel. But most of those 20 are the films yeah. that were in the Bergman box, and we know uh, the box itself never got a spine number, so any of the film, new films in that box that weren't already released did not also have spine numbers, you know, like uh, The Passion of Anna or uh, The Touch, you know, films like that. Yeah. Does that also include films like uh, from their Essential Art House series that oh, yes. have never made it over? Yeah, there's a few of those as well. That would include uh, Last Holiday, uh, Mata Dayo, uh, the Love Goddesses. What else we got here? Capo, the the Gilo Ponte Corvo film. Those yeah. never received spine numbers, but they were part of the uh, Art House uh, series. Yeah, I just I think those are those are such really unique uh, releases that are hard to f- harder to find in some ways, and I just love that Criterion has a place for them here on the channel for people that uh, might overlook them otherwise, because they're not, they don't have a spine number. They're not a part of the permanent collection in some ways. Uh, and uh, I think that's neat. Yeah. When we're looking at the streaming only titles, you know, there are 372 streaming only titles that are only available on the Criterion channel. The only way you can watch these films is by subscribing to the Criterion channel. Um, a lot of these were available on Hulu Plus. Uh, many of them were available on Filmstruck. What are some of the new ones that have been added to the Criterion channel over this last year? I know we've received a few even in this last month. Uh, yes. But what are some of the ones that uh, we have received in the last uh, since since the channel premiered? Uh, there's ten of them. The first two, well, the first three have premiered in the first month, and that is. Uh, John Woo's Last Hurrah for Chivalry, 
mm-hmm. and Vim Vendor's Palermo shooting and uh, Albert Mazel's documentary about Christo and uh, Christo's art project Umbrellas. Yeah. Over the last few months, we've got we've gotten uh, three pretty big ones and three that most of us suspect eventually will get a physical release. Uh, the first one is Paul Schrader's The Comfort of Strangers. Mm. I think either he or someone close to him has uh, strongly suggested that it will come to the spine numbered releases. Uh, we also have Hector Babenko's uh, Pichota, which will be uh, part of a, it is now part of the World Cinema Project and may get us on spine number or, or maybe in the next volume of the Mor- Martin Scorsese Presents series. And then we have Olivier uh, Asias's Irma Vep, and that just started this month on uh, the channel. And so I'm pretty sure that would be a spine-numbered physical release eventually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it. I just feel like we keep getting all of these really incredible releases that sneak under the radar that we don't that don't arrive with as much fanfare as the limited engagements. And so I'm always excited when I see more streaming only titles get added to the collection. So that's exciting. Let's dive into some of the stats on the limited engagements. uh, Cause I just think you've broken this down into some really interesting ways. I find it interesting that they have released 14 criterion laser disc titles on the channel. Yes, they've been going back to their Laserdisc catalog and presenting these programs they call From the Archive, where they'll present, for instance, on the channel now, they have Raging Bull, and they're actually presenting it with the audio commentary that was recorded by Scorsese and Thelma Schoonmaker back when they released the film on Laserdisc, and that was, could never be heard anywhere else before, except if you had the Laserdisc itself. Yeah, that's so... I mean, that's just is really, really exciting. I love those old Laserdisc commentaries. You could, you know, as they were starting to figure out what commentaries were, you get some really unique nuggets and some really right. interesting bits that I don't think you you get as much of nowadays. And of course, these titles are limited. So when they show up, uh, be prepared for them staying on the channel for maybe three months, maybe six. But more than likely, they're big studio films like Raging Bull, and uh, more than likely they'll only be on the channel for for three months. Yeah, yeah. How many films have uh, left the channel less than three months? You know, they 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 say that they're when in the initial press release they said they're going to really try to keep films on for at least three months, but they did say that that it would be possible that some of these films might leave sooner than that. Yes, there's. There have been a few, right? Yes, there have been. 67 of them have only mm-hmm. stayed for less than three months, but that's only 14% of the full amount. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we have to be, be happy that that means 86% are streaming for more than three months. And of that figure, 38% stream, have streamed for six months or longer. So oh, wow. that's, that's wow. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, a, that's that's a pretty great ratio when you think about it the fact that you know almost a little less than half of the films stream for three months you know yeah and uh the rest stream for six i mean that's that they're giving us lots of time with the some of these yes yeah how how many of the limited engagements you know we, we like to think of the criterion 
physical discs as things that they uh, release because they have the rights to them forever. And so I know we sometimes see surprise when Criterion's physical released di physically released discs end up in the limited engagement pile or uh, are going to be leaving at the end of the month. But, you know, they, they only have limited streaming rights to some of those right. bigger studio titles. So how many limited engagements do we find within Criterion's physical library? We have had 125 films that were released on DVD or Blu-ray be limited engagements on the channel. And mm. we shouldn't be surprised. These are films that are owned by the major studios. And so, of course, they control them. It's not like uh, they're getting the films from Janus and have a, you know permanent rights to them. In this case, we have films that obviously the studio wants to kind of keep control over. Yeah. And, and so, you know, but we can be happy, for, especially for those persons who aren't, who don't collect physical media or perhaps don't have, you know, or or financially unable to collect, uh, they're still able to see these films, even even if we're limited period, even for three months. Yeah, you know. yeah. that's great. That's that, I think that's helpful for people to remember that yeah. not all of the films that Criterion has released are are going to just hang out on the channel. And uh, to, to make sure to, if they're not going to be able to purchase those discs to make sure that they get a chance to check them out while they're there because there's some really great special features that are some really great supplements for them to, to watch along with the film. Yeah. If you want to see the night of the hunter, you know, that's controlled by a studio and you know, we, we had it for three months. And so let's, you know, let's celebrate right, that fact, you know, you got, yeah. you know, then you get films like, you know, 12 angry men or let's say, uh, the devil's backbone. So these are great criterion releases that we should be happy that at least we're getting to see them readily available on a streaming channel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you also uh, prepared this massive document that goes through the entire lineup of every month of the criterion channel. And uh, we, we won't get too far into the weeds, but were there some things that you found as you were, preparing this and uh, looking back over the last year of spotlights and uh, lineups for the Criterion channel that really stood out to you or that you found really interesting? Oh, it's just a sheer variety of what they offered in their program over the last year. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just extraordinary. For instance, we got 89 Criterion Collection editions. That means that they were able to present the full spy-numbered release on their streaming channel. That means all the supplements, all the commentaries, everything there. And then we get uh, more than 60 director's bundles. Mm -hmm. And most of those were, were pretty large, sometimes as, as many as, you know, 20, 25 films in each bundle. And, uh, of course, we also have the actor's bundles. Not so many as we used to have under Filmstruck. They seem to be uh, more, more directed towards directors. Let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, yeah. We spoke about this last month about how their emphasis sometimes isn't as much on actors as they are on directors. You know, but this month we got a great bundle from Jean Arthur, you know, mm -hmm. a very undersung actress. And I, I just love to see uh, some of those more obscure films from her catalog showing up on the channel. Yeah. And then we've got the observations on film art, which is now practically coming once a month from those, those scholars who are just presenting just what they call what they used to call a school in a box. This really is a school because yeah. they really break it down for you. And then we have the 
where the celebrities come on talking about their films. We've had six of those adventures and movie going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the most exciting things that I saw, and this has been recently over the last, say, six months, almost every month now they're giving us a streaming premiere. Yeah. And that's that's giving us films like uh, Long Day's Journey into Night. And uh, this month we're seeing a film that I'd never even heard of uh, from uh, Yorgos Lanthimos called yeah. Kineta. Yeah. You know, so that's uh, that. That's just a great job they're doing about presenting these films that you can't find streaming anywhere. Yeah, and I think that is part of, honestly, what is making this maybe one of the most essential services out there right now. Oh, this is something that neither that uh, neither Hulu nor Filmstruck did, bringing us these streaming premieres. So it is showing that they are kind of going in a, in a direction that you never would have even thought possible yeah. when they had their films on the other services. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Uh, anything else that you've noticed as you've been digging into the numbers and reflecting on the last year and looking over everything, uh, things that really stand out to you and that you want to draw people's attention to? Uh, let's let's talk about the changeover each month, the difference yeah. between uh, yeah. what's being added and what's being taken away. I kind of averaged the last 10 months. I didn't want to count the first two months because it was in such a state where, you know, it practically there was there was not much going on those first two months. But after that, they got into the steady flow of adding and taking films away. Mm. And uh, the average number of films added each month is now 78 films each month. Mm. Now, that's a, an amazing number. I don't recall Filmstruck ever adding that many. I know they used to add their films on Fridays and maybe 15, 20 films at the most. So I guess maybe over a month, a period that would have been about 80 films, but mm -hmm. it just seems like having them all at the first of the month just kind of emphasizes exactly what you got in store for the rest of the month. Yeah. Uh, and then the average number of films being removed is now 47 each month. Mm -hmm. So that would indicate that maybe there's a little climb each month, but I have noticed over the last several months, the numbers are kind of more coinciding so you're getting about the same number of films released, uh, added as you are seeing taken away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see as you've as you've helpfully laid this out that the the numbers starting with January are up a little higher as yeah. we have things leaving. Yeah, yeah. And and the reason why let's say February was such a big bump is because we got that big package of the African American. Uh, Pioneers of African American cinema, yeah. and so it's it little anomalies like that will make the figures seem a little a little you know unusual for that particular month, but they pretty much settles down. So for the last four months, our average has been between nineteen hundred and nineteen hundred and sixty films. Mm -hmm. So that's that's mm -hmm. that's that's a, seems like they're kind of steadying out now. Yeah, and that that helps you know kind of what you know how much content there is, and I think it also in some ways is a a good reminder of of what is coming and going and you know there's no way there is no way that we can just keep up with everything right oh, if yeah. if the if they are adding an average of 78 films every month and they're removing an average of 47 films every month i mean yeah. How are you? Okay. How are you supposed to keep up with that, right? Yeah, I guess the the secret is to prioritize. You just have to know what you, you know what you want to see, and and just yeah. kind of just dive into those. Yeah. yeah, I know you had started something on the uh, the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group uh, where you were indicating titles that may be available on certain 
other streaming outlets so that persons aren't kind of pushed to try to get the films you know that they want on the channel itself yeah so that, was, that was a good good thing i saw you post the other day yeah yeah i just uh as we're recording this uh, on the sixth i just posted a thing today saying you know here are the the bundles and the film or here are the films that are expiring that are not available on any other streaming service right now mm-hmm. and here are the ones that are only available on criterion disc so if you're not going to be buying stuff you might check this one out and here are the ones that are only available on those library services. There are a lot of these that are available to rent. You can rent them for 2 or $3 on Amazon or iTunes. And they're available on Prime or they're available on Netflix. But there are some that they're, just, they're not available anywhere. And it's good to know that. You know, the Peter Greenaway bundles are expiring, or uh, mm. shorts are expiring this month, and they're not available anywhere. And uh, if you don't have access to canopy or hoopla the two library streaming services then you can't see certain other titles as well so it's just it's good to prioritize those things and you know hopefully some of these will make the certain cycle again like the colombian noir have yes. uh, all come back which is great but they've added more titles to the colombian noir to make <laughs> it even more difficult to see right. uh, but yeah well what's unusual is about you know, this month's new selections is that we had as many films come back as we had throughout the whole year <laughs> that returned. Because I think over the over the past year, only about 13 films had played more than once. Mm. And now with this Columbia Noir bundle, I think that was about 15 that returned all at once. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, so, so if you miss a film, you know, you can always just uh, kind of hold out hope that it's going to come back. In my yeah. case, I, I try to prioritize certain uh, non-studio films. I know that uh, that those are more likely to be found, you know, yeah. more easily than than the the art house films. But you know, but yeah. I, I love those studio films from the '30s. You know, yeah. So you just have to determine, you know, for your own personal taste, which which areas you you want to kind of work on. In, in case yeah. you you know, like most of us aren't able to to catch them all. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. This was uh, really informative, and I I love getting the chance to look back and think about, I mean, just how much really incredible content we've had at our fingertips over this last year. I mean, it's yeah. it's been amazing, right? Yes, it's been a great year. Yeah. I just, I, I can't believe uh, what a what an incredible service it is that Criterion has provided for us. Oh, yes. I, in case some of your listeners want to have some of the stats that I have put together, uh, after this episode airs, I'll be able to post these in our Criterion Channel Club Facebook group. Oh, that's and great. So it, yeah. it'd be, you know, a lot more detailed, and I'll just, I'll just attach it as a file or or uh, make a link to my to my uh, Dropbox because this is fascinating perfect. material here. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are people that are going to want to really be able to dig into some of these numbers and to honestly, I think that your your monthly lineup is really great. It's really nice to be able to have mm-hmm. a list of all of these films that are available here. It's uh, pretty fantastic. This is a time where 
I think that community and connection is really important. And I know for me, one of the things that I found really lovely in the midst of all of my stressful work days, uh, getting this time to be able to talk about the films that I love has been one of the best uh, stress relievers for me. And uh, I just would love to hear from you, Michael, what are some things or some uh some places or some charities or organizations that you would love to direct our listeners towards supporting if they have the means and are able to, to support and help out right now. Sure. There's an Art House America campaign now running on GoFundMe, which is organized by Criterion and Janus Films. It's there to help independent cinemas. We all know that they're all having to shut down and we can expect that, you know, the big chains like Regal and AMC will be around, you know, eventually, but there are some theaters out there who just uh, really need the help. The, the independent theaters, the one, the art houses, the ones in this that really uh, are going to have trouble struggling to survive. So yeah. uh, if, if you, if you've got the extra, extra uh, cash, please, please help out that campaign. Just go to gofundme.com and search for the art house America campaign. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. I'll uh, make sure that there are links to that in the show notes as well. Oh, okay, yeah, I just, that'll work. Yeah, I just think that this is uh, this is a time that you know if you are lucky enough uh, to still have a job or to still have income, you know, this is one of those times when it's really important that we all come together and help support each other and be community together. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a great uh, a great thing to come together to support. So thanks for bringing our attention to that, Michael. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? I'm at Letterboxd under the name Michael Hutchins, and I'm on the Criterion Now Facebook group and also a member of the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group. So you can awesome. check me out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you, Josh. Yeah, well, we'll be right back with more Criterion Channel Surfing as Robert and I continue our conversation by talking about April's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, make sure to check out Good Times, Great Movies. Hosted by Doug McCambridge and Jamie Lorello. A podcast about the best, but usually the worst, of 80s cinema. Every other Friday, Doug and Jamie discuss a film from the 80s. Some are films they haven't seen since they were kids and offer a contemporary perspective. Others are films they've never seen before but probably should have. Do they hold up? Are they classics? Or would these films just be better off having been lost to time? Find out more at goodtimesgreatmovies.com. Welcome back to Criterion Channel Surfing. I'm here with Robert Taylor, and we're getting ready to dive into the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of April. All right, so Robert, before I uh, go on this breathless uh, list, try to run through this as quickly as possible, just what are your first impressions of the new releases for the month of April? Just a quick, quick first impression. I am lucky that I am in quarantine because I have a lot to watch is my <laughs> very first, uh, first blush of reactions. I mean, it's so much and... 
genuinely probably 90% of it is stuff I want to explore. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's kind of incredible, right? Mm-hmm. There's just so much here. Well, then, in that case, let me just get right to it. We have uh, the first bundle up is uh, Toshiro Mifune Turns 100, which has a lot of films that are already on the channel, a lot of films from the permanent collection like Snow Trail, Drunken Angel, Stray Dog, Wedding Rehearsal. But it also includes Red Sun and Mifune, The Last Samurai, which is a documentary about Mifune. We have three by Yorgos Lanthimos, which includes the streaming premiere of Kaneda, along with Dogtooth and Alps. We have 70s style icons with performance, Clute, Shaft, What's Up, Doc, Foxy Brown, Shampoo, Three Days of the Condor, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Star is Born, Welcome to L.A., Annie Hall, Eyes of Laura Mars, and Thank God It's Friday. We have the return of the Colombian Noir Bundle, which uh, is really <laughs> exciting. That was the very first bundle to appear on the Criterion channel when it premiered last year. Uh, so it has most of the films from that original bundle, along with some brand new films like Blind Alley, Dead Reckoning, Johnny O'Clock, The Lady from Shanghai, The Mob, Affair in Trinidad, and a whole lot of other films. We have... I Am Not a Witch, which also includes the short film Listen. We have the bundle starring Gary Cooper with the winning of Barbara Worth, Lilac Time, A Farewell to Arms, The Wedding Night, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, The Adventures of Marco Polo, and more. We have three films by Otto Preminger with Bonjour Triste, Anatomy of a Murder, and Bunny Lake is Missing. We have the next film in the World Cinema Project with Pichote. We have The Fits. We have a new bundle directed by Maurice Pilat with La Morisiste, L'Enfance New, We Won't Grow Old Together, The Mouth Agape, Graduate First, Lulu, Anus Amour, Police Under the Son of Satan, and Van Gogh. We have starring Jean Arthur with Whirlpool, Party Wire, If You Could Only Cook, Public Hero Number One, The Whole Town's Talking, and again, a whole lot of other films starring Jean Arthur. Uh, we have the film Waja. We have three films by Jafar Panahi with This Is Not a Film, Taxi, and Three Faces. We have a few new additions to the scores by Quincy Jones bundle uh, with The Pawnbroker. Some additions to the starring Rita Hayworth bundle with Angels Over Broadway, The Strawberry Blonde, and Salome. We have Criterion Editions, new, new Criterion Editions this month with Europa Europa, The Two of Us, 45 Years, Salesman, and Mikey and Nikki. We have an early Douglas Cirque bundle with A Scandal in Paris, Lured, Shockproof, and Slightly French. From the archives, we have the uh, Laserdisc edition of Raging Bull. Saturday matinees, we have Captain Courageous, Watership Down, Little Lord Fauntleroy, and Paper Moon. For the double features, they have bundled The Stranger and The Lady in Shanghai, Stranger by the Lake and Staying Vertical, Here Comes Mr. Jordan and Down to Earth, and Bonjour Triste and Breathless. For the shorts plus features, they have bundled The Eighth Continent and Fire at Sea, Neighbors and Dr. Strangelove, The Short and Curlies and Shampoo, and The Strange Ones in Paris, Texas. We also have a new Observations on Film Art with musical motifs in the Battle of Algiers. And then finally, we have new additions to the Permanent Library. We have uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, 
Godzilla vs. Hedera, Ibarra, The Horror of the Deep. So some of the films from the Godzilla uh, box set are making their way into the digital library here. We have The Return of Kieslowski's The Scar. Uh, the Small Black Room, which is an out-of-print uh, Criterion DVD, is making its way back into the permanent library. And then we have uh, Olivier Assayas's Irma Vep. So those are the new releases. Are you okay? Do you need some water? <laughs> uh, I, I might. I might. This is the, uh, this is the, the challenge of every, of every episode, is trying to just get through it. So let's, uh, let's chat what films are you excited to catch? What films do you recommend? Robert, what are you, what are you excited for? And uh, what do you want? The first recommendation that I want to make is in the Mifuni box set, box set the Mifuni uh, set, which is uh, Snow Trail. Uh, it is not directed by Akira Kurosawa. However, it is mm. written by Akira Kurosawa. And uh, it stars Mifuni, who, of course iconically has the collaboration with Kurosawa and it also stars uh, Takashi Shimura who mm. you know is yeah. Kurosawa's other go-to guy so this is about as close to a Kurosawa movie that you can get without it being an actual directed by Akira Kurosawa movie it is an incredibly eccentric film an incredibly adventurous film and it sort of changes genre for the first 40 minutes Every five or ten minutes, it's comedic, then it's a Hitchcockian thriller, mm. then it turns into a, a crime noir, and it just keeps flipping back and forth in interesting ways that don't always work, but it's fun to watch the filmmakers throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Have you seen it yet? I have not. I have not. This is one of the permanent ti collection titles I have just not had a chance to watch, but this will definitely move its way up my list. It sounds fantastic. It's it's very fun, and it has a little bit of that Lawrence of Arabia, except in the snow, when you see just, like, one set of footprints through the snow, and you're like, how did mm. they set up for part two? And at one point, there's an avalanche, which is very clearly an avalanche that is very clearly... Uh, swallowing people up in the snow. So also hope everyone was okay at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, so that's my first recommendation. Uh, my other recommendation is from the early Douglas Sirk bundle, which is the film Lord, which is a very light film noir starring uh, Lucille Ball. In It's essentially a dramatic role, even though... Uh, the film walks the line between drama and comedy in any given scene where she plays a dancer who is taken in by the police department in London to try and figure out who murdered one of her friends. It has an incredible cast, including Boris Karloff in a great cameo as a red herring uh, fashion designer who is obsessed with... I'm not even going to spoil it. It's great. It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful cameo. But it's a fantastic cast. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it's a movie that I revisit every year or two. It's just Ball is one of the most effervescent, uh, engaging performers that has ever existed in film and television. And it's a pleasure to watch her in a meatier role than just crying for Ricky to let her be in the show. It's really, really fun, and I give it two thumbs way up. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the two films that I desperately want to see 
are this is not the first one is this is not a film because obviously the background for the story is so fascinating. I'm kind of yeah. worried that the quote unquote film, even though it's obviously a film itself, uh, would never live up to my expectations for what it is. Of course, in case you guys uh, don't know, the filmmaker was uh, put on house arrest because of his filmmaking work previously. And so using his cell phone recorded his uh, life, his musings, stuff like that, and then hid it inside. I forget if it was a cake or a pie, but he put a flash drive containing the film in some sort of food, shipped it to Khan, where it was then screened in the festival. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully the movie lives up to my expectations. And last but not least, this is also in the Mifuni box set. I have never seen Red Sun, and it seems like it's either going to be a glorious train wreck or a fun train wreck, and I'm up for watching either. Yeah, my first experience with uh, Panahi's films was with Three Faces, uh, which I saw at last year's Seattle International Film Festival, and I found it absolutely riveting. So I'm also really excited to catch This Is Not a Film, and uh, I've heard really good things about it. So yeah, I think that will be really intriguing. I don't know much about Red Sun. Uh, you've heard that it is a bit of a train wreck? Yes, and I mean, but just look... Terrence Young directing yeah. it and then yeah. uh, I'm just bringing up because it's not just Mifuni is th the craziest person in the cast it has get ready for it it is Charles Bronson Elaine Delone <laughs> Ursula Andress <laughs> like this seems absolutely crazy uh, Maurice Jarre did the score for it and yeah, it is a French, Italian, and Spanish co-production, and I don't think I need to say more than that. But okay, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds that sounds interesting. Now, what about you, my friend? You have some great picks, some of which I have not seen at all, and one of which I didn't hear of until I saw your list. So, tell me all about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my my recommendation, uh, my first recommendation is The Fits. Um, this is a film that was, I think, released by Oscilloscope. It is an absolutely mesmerizing film, uh, coming-of-age story. It is gorgeous and haunting. I think it's, again, one of those films that you just kind of have to go in not knowing a whole lot about and uh, just let it wash over you. It's beautiful. It is uh, moving. Uh, it is beguiling. I think it is up there with films like uh, Virgin Suicides, with films about uh, kind of young women who are kind of on the cusp of adulthood, uh, who are kind of coming into their own and and what does that mean it's it's beautiful uh i cannot recommend it highly enough i think it is uh a film that everyone should really really check out you sold me at virgin suicides yeah it's 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 very it's it's different but it it has some some of that same kind of um dreamlike quality that i think you get with virgin suicides and i think it's uh i think it's really really beautiful I am a huge fan of Yorgos Lanthimos. 
Uh, I have loved every one of his films uh, that I've seen since Dogtooth, which was the first of his that I've seen. I have not seen Kinetta yet, so that's the one that I am most eager to catch out of this bundle. But uh, I really love Dogtooth and Alps, and I highly recommend both of those films to uh, anyone that has not seen them. And I think that the the set is definitely uh, well worth people checking out. I think that uh, he is a filmmaker who is doing some really intriguing things with uh, the ways in which I, I just I think I think he has this really sharp insight into uh, human nature and uh, it's not comfortable it's a very uncomfortable look at the ways in which we relate to each other and yet I think it's also incredibly honest and uh, uh, really discomforting discomforting uh, uh, I am really excited for I Am Not a Witch. That's uh, probably the one from this this release slate that I am maybe most excited for. It was one of those films that appeared at uh, the Seattle International Film Festival a few years ago. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I'm always looking for more films from Africa. I think uh, it is underrepresented in cinema, and uh, I'm always eager to see that. Uh, it's also a film by a, a female filmmaker, and uh, there are not a lot of films by uh, female filmmakers from Africa. And I think that is, um, those are just voices that we don't hear from as much. And uh, I'm always uh, eager to get those perspectives uh, because I think that uh, the the more that we get that the the just the the greater the greater diversity of, of voices that we get in our cinema the the more stories that we get to hear from I just think it's it's it rounds out our cinema viewing experiences and so I'm I'm super excited for this one yeah, this is one that I am really, really eager for, and I've heard really great things about it. And then my final thing is uh, I am you know, someone who covers the permanent library in every episode of the podcast. I am always excited when we get more additions to the permanent library. So I am excited to have uh, Olivier Assayas' Irma Vep added, and I'm excited to have the scar back in the collection after it dropped off in the move from Filmstruck to the Criterion channel. But uh, I am, uh, I know that uh, Irma Vep will probably make its way to disc sometime soon, but uh, it's nice to have it here, at least exclusively on the channel for a little bit of time. I am fascinated to watch I Am Not a Witch, uh, simply because I had no idea until I read about the film itself that there are still camps where they place people who are accused of being witches in Zambia. Yeah. Like, this is fascinating to me, and I can't wait to learn more about it. So thanks for putting a spotlight on that one. I yeah. had no idea, and now I can't wait. Yeah, I, I have to say that one of the things that I am most excited about with Criterion Channel, I mean, I love the classics, and I, I think that you know they are doing great work with classic Hollywood, and I think they're getting some really great spotlights on classic art house filmmakers, but I am so thrilled that they are getting so much contemporary cinema on the channel and that they are bringing to the foreground films that I may have seen uh, a snapshot of in a film festival catalog or I may have uh, heard about 
briefly mentioned when I'm looking over, you know, a another film festival's lineup, but you know, you don't you don't get maybe a deep dive because it doesn't get like wide distribution or it doesn't get nominated for an award or doesn't get shortlisted for something. Uh, so the fact that they are bringing these films to the foreground, I think is one of the coolest things that uh, Criterion's doing on the channel. And we've, I know that you've spoken about it in previous episodes, but it's not just that it's modern film. It's also modern film from diverse voices. They are putting their money where their mouth is. They said that they wanted to use female directors. They said that they wanted to put a spotlight more on films from Africa, and they are doing it, which, big pat on the back for that. Yeah, I, I just... You know, the more stories that we get from female filmmakers, the more stories we get from people from diverse backgrounds, I just think it broadens our horizons. It broadens our perceptions of the world. And I think that it is so important to film culture that we don't stay insular with male voices, with the straight white male voices that have made up the canon for so long. So I love that Criterion's breaking open the canon uh, here. And so, yeah, I think this is super exciting here. Here, here. <laughs> I also, every, every month I ask in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group uh, what new bundles people are excited for. And it's always uh, fun to see what people are really eager to catch. Number one on the poll, people are excited for the return of Columbia Noir, which is no surprise. And I cannot blame people for it because this is a great bundle, right? It's tremendous. I haven't even seen all of them, and I have been watching what I thought was every noir from uh, the middle of nowhere for the past two years. Plus, I mean, you've got In a Lonely Place, which is one of the all-timers. You've got several from Fritz Lang, who uh, not only invented the genre of noir, but then he proceeded to sort of create interesting variations. Look at, for example, Human Desire, where he asks the very deep question of what would happen if a femme fatale uh, seduced a guy who actually was smart? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There's, there's a couple that are skippable. Five Against the House, I've never been a big fan of, but, I mean, the lineup, Murder by Contract, just looking at this, it makes me happy in all the right places. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those hooks that got a lot of people to subscribe to the Criterion channel in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And each one of the movies, even the ones that I don't think are as successful as others, like So Dark the Night I know has a bit of a cult following. It's always been sort of problematic for me because... Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the film? Uh, is this the one with the French detective? Yes, it's the one with yeah. the... It's a French detective, and it seems... It seems yeah. to be made not by people who have ever visited France, but it all it seems <laughs> to be made by people who have only seen Pepe Le Pew cartoons of Fra- of France. Because, good lord, they even have a hunchback who they must have like rented from the Notre Dame set on Universal Studios to just come in for one scene and hang out. It's very very funny, but. Even then, you have an interesting director sort of finding his own voice. Uh, Another great one is Tight Spot, which sort of plays like a play. It has a great role for Edward G. Robinson, sort of uh, playing against type as a patron of hope, uh, a great central female character who is uh, very, very... uh, 
three-dimensional. It's great. I I am over the moon in happiness, and I can't wait to see the Crimson Kimono. Yeah, yeah. I, this is just a it's a it's a great bundle. Yeah. Number two on the poll is the Toshiro Mifune turns a hundred. Uh, again, no big surprise there. I think this is a stellar bundle, and I think people are you know who doesn't love Mifune? You know, I I think that it's easy to if you've only seen Seven Samurai, if you've only seen him in Yojimbo and Sanjuro, it's easy to kind of pigeonhole him as a performer but then you see him in you know uh some of these other films that he made and you just see how incredible he is as a performer he's a great actor and uh i think uh i'm i'm excited to catch more and more of his work uh with kurosawa and uh with some of the other masters of japanese cinema yeah think of the diversity in his performance between I live in fear where he plays an old man who is terrified that the apocalypse is going to happen. Then take that and set it next to high and low where he plays a a shoe designer and then watch sort of doom immediately after that. And you realize this is a guy who has more range than probably any comparable actor out there because Whereas other actors can say and do diverse things, sometimes they fall flat. I have yet to see a bad Mifune performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 pretty incredible. Number three in the poll was the 70s style icons bundle, which does, you know, again, that makes sense. I think uh, the 70s films definitely gets a lot of attention. People really love the 70s sci-fi set. But uh, yeah, that's a that's one that people seem to be really gravitating towards. Number four was the Lanthimos set, and uh, you know I normally only go to four, but uh, number five here was a nice, pleasant surprise. The early Douglas Sirk bundle was number five on the the poll, so that's uh, kind of a fun a fun little set here. And I have to commend the listeners for not picking Gary Cooper, the most boring leading man of all time. <laughs> Watch the one Gary Cooper fan go after me. That's, you know, I think that's possible. Well, let's uh, dive in here. We also have, uh, as I like to say, Criterion Gives and Criterion Takes Away. We have a lot of films that are leaving this month as well. And to start off with we have a lot of films from that 70s style icons that are leaving so we're we've got a bunch of films that are only here for a month so we have the man who fell to earth annie hall welcome to la three days of the condor thank god it's friday clute performance a star is born shaft and what's up doc the crimson kimono will be leaving the Colombian noir set this month as well so that's a quick turnaround there Friendly Persuasion and Love in the Afternoon from the Gary Cooper Bundle uh, are also leaving this month as well. So those are all films that are premiering and leaving this month. From the food, from the Glorious Food Bundle, Delicatessen will be leaving. From the Caught on Tape Bundle, Diva will be missing. From the Directed by Alice Rohrwacher Bundle, uh, we'll be losing both films, Corpo Celeste and The Wonders. We'll be losing the uh, non-permanent films from the queer-sided bundle, Raging Sun, Raging Sky, Stranger by the Lake, and I Don't Want to Sleep Alone. 
We'll be losing the rest of the directed by Peter Greenaway films, which include all of the short films, as well as The Falls, The Draftsman's Contract, A Zed and Two Knots, and The Pillow Book. We'll be losing a bunch of the film plays itself titles, including Hollywood Shuffle, Adaptation, Day for Night, Footlight Parade, and Two Weeks in Another Town. We'll be losing just about all of the starring Sidney Poitier films, including Cry the Beloved Country, The Defiant Ones, Paris Blues, Pressure Point, Lilies of the Field, Duel It, Do It, Diablo, In the Heat of the Night, Buck and the Preacher, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, A Raisin in the Sun, A Warm December, Uptown Saturday Night, A Patch of Blue, and Blackboard Jungle. We'll be losing Gas Food Lodging from the directed by Allison Anders bundle. We'll be losing A Man for All Seasons from the starring Wendy, Wendy Hiller bundle. We'll be losing If and Oh Lucky Man from the Mick Davis trilogy bundle. We'll be losing The Getaway from Scores by Quincy Jones. Be losing the hunger from the starring Catherine Deneuve bundle. We'll be losing the following Criterion editions: The Graduate, Some Like It Hot, and Vanya on 42nd Street. We'll be losing the Saturday matinee of Jason and the Argonauts. We'll be losing the double features of The Harder They Come and No Place Like Home and House of Games and the Grifters. Uh, we'll be losing the Adventures in Movie Going with Karen Kusama title Near Dark. And we'll be losing The Arbor and Naked Prey, just two of the random individual titles that were there as well. So, you know, it's not as bad as some of the months where we it feels like we lose everything. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of films that we only have a month to catch. So it feels a little uh, a little harder than others. Robert. What do you what do you want to make sure that you catch before they leave, and and what do you hope people catch before they leave? Uh, well, I need to catch uh, two weeks in another town, spiritual sequel to Bad and the Beautiful, mostly the same cast, mostly the same crew, also directed by uh, Manelle. So, really want to get on top of that before it disappears. I missed it previously, and I don't want to miss it again. Yeah. I've never seen The Hunger. And everyone tells me that I would love The Hunger. I've probably been told this on eight separate occasions. (laughs) So we'll see. Uh, The dare has been taken on, and we will find out. I've somehow never seen Naked Prey, so I'm very much Mm. looking forward to that. Um, And then I suppose I would like to watch Strange by the Lake again. However, I really just put it on my list so that I could tell you the story. That when it first premiered, uh, I didn't know anything about it all i knew was that it was supposed to be a great hitchcockian thriller and so i invited a group of 12 of my nearest and dearest friends to go see it with me all of which were uh women and straight guys and (laughs) seeing it in the theater after i had like been like oh this movie looks great trust me it'll be wonderful i'm not sure if uh, you were listening to this, but there is very, very, very explicit material. And watching that uh, with a dozen of my friends and was awkward, to say the least. This was the first year I was at uh, the American Film Institute, <laughs> and I think it was about two months after I met them all. So it was a very, very interesting experience for me. Uh, I was a little red-faced, and I'm curious to see uh, what it will be like now that I know exactly what the movie is. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that sounds like an awkward viewing experience. Have you ever seen it? 
I haven't yet. I haven't yet. It is intense. So I'm not sure if I would recommend it. It's see, I remember half enjoying it. There's this one incredible murder sequence uh, halfway through the movie. But now that I am going to be by myself and just sort of know what to expect, I hope to enjoy it on its own terms. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm really eager to watch the uh, the the short talk with Michael Koreski. Probably, I think that will be really interesting to see and see the films that he chose, why he chose the films that he did for this uh, series, especially. Stranger by the Lake is available on a couple of other streaming services as well. Uh, I know I Don't Want to Sleep Alone is the one from this bundle that isn't available anywhere. And uh, so I'll, that's one I'll probably prioritize seeing uh, because it's going to be the hardest one to find. And uh, there are a couple of others uh, that are expiring this month that are really going to be difficult to catch. But this is a, this is a month where we have a few films that are just not available anywhere. And uh, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a mad dash to try to catch up on the films that are gonna be disappearing. I concur. Speaking of, give yeah. me your four. Yeah. Uh, well, my my big recommendation is the Arbor. Uh, this is one I've recommended before, and I'm gonna continue to recommend it because I do think that this is a really unique and special film. It is a documentary about uh, a British playwright, and it uses audio recordings of the people in uh, this uh, woman's life and has actors reenacting moments from her life and lip syncing to the audio recordings and creates this interesting hybrid of documentary and reenactment and uh, becomes this incredible work of creative nonfiction. And uh, uh, Cleo Bernard is the director and uh, she is uh, a filmmaker that I just, I want to continue to follow her work because of, because what she did here was so striking and so moving and just so captivating. Um, it is something that I just found so unique, and uh, I am always on the lookout for documentaries and nonfiction filmmaking that breaks the mold a little bit, that isn't just a standard talking heads piece or a standard, let's just grab what archival materials we can find, but let's let's find ways to use the form differently. And I think she did that really in some interesting ways here and uh, i found it absolutely mesmerizing so the arbor is one that i would highly recommend that does sound fascinating in fact uh as you were talking i hopped on my phone and added it to my queue ah, nice hopefully nice. it is not one that i choose to watch umbrellas of Sherberg over yes <laughs> yes <laughs> but i will endeavor because it sounds absolutely fascinating it is a it's a really unique piece. It's a really unique piece. Uh, I really really loved Hollywood Shuffle. I caught that in the early days of the Criterion Channel, and I'm glad it made its way back 
onto the service here for a little bit. And uh, it's one that uh, I did not expect to see on the Criterion channel. Uh, I had seen it in the video stores when I was shelving titles uh, back in my video store days. And I kind of wrote it off as a silly comedy. And it is a silly comedy, but it's also sharp and insightful about the ways that African-American actors are pigeonholed and are forced to live into stereotypes. And it's sharp comedy. I love the ways that it borrows uh, and uses sketches and yet hangs them on a really loose story structure in a way that I feel like is, is rarely borrowed for uh, sketch comedy story structures. It's very funny. Uh, it's uncomfortable in all the best ways. It's a, a great film and uh, would highly recommend people catching that if they're looking for a, a good comedy to catch during this time. I am eager to watch Jason and the Argonauts while it is on the service. This is one that I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I love the Harryhausen films. Uh, I think they're a blast. And uh, I think this is the type of escapist fantasy film that I love when I'm stuck at home, when I'm sick, when I can't go anywhere. This is the type of film that I just love during this time. And I think that this is one that I am very eager to, to watch. Yeah, I am as well. I could not. Uh, I had it originally on my list as well until I noticed that you had added it to yours. It's somehow one of the only Harryhausens that I haven't seen, which is insane because it has arguably yeah. the most famous sequence that he ever created. So I'm very curious to see. And also it has one of Bernard Herrmann's best scores. I've randomly heard the score, but haven't watched the movie yet. So I can't wait to see it either. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And then finally, uh, the Alicia Rohrwacher set uh, is probably the one that I am most uh, excited to watch and the one I'll probably prioritize, even though I know her films are available on other services. I just watched Corpo uh, Celeste a few days ago and loved it, and I'm uh, eager to watch The Wonders. Uh, Happy as Lazaro was one of my favorite films from a few years ago, and I love her mix of kind of the the neorealism mixed in with the the magical realism that she brings to her work and uh, I just think she is a phenomenal filmmaker and I cannot wait to watch more of her work and uh, yeah she's just a, a phenomenal filmmaker so that's the one that I am probably most eager to catch uh, over this rest of this month awesome the poll, not surprising, 70s style icons is the number one film or film bundle that people are excited to catch. I think the the pressure of trying to get stuff in in a month is uh, getting people chomping at the bit to watch stuff here. I, oddly enough, okay, I checked out two movies from it, and I have to say I was kind of underwhelmed by both of them. Uh, I thought Shampoo was fine. I thought it, it was perfectly acceptable and i also thought three days of the condor was fine now i'm curious i assume you've probably seen more of these movies than me because i don't know that much about 70s films and you've given great recommendations in the reflections podcast previously so what do should i absolutely not miss from this bundle uh, uh, wow okay got it <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I I I think Man Who Fell to Earth is probably an important one to catch if you don't have the the Criterion disc. I do not. 
that one I think is is an important one. It's a little impenetrable and a little dense, so you want to prepare yourself for that one. It's really good, but it's it's Nic- Nicholas Rogue, so uh, just go in knowing that you're watching. Uh, have you seen Walkabout? And um, yes, I know what I'm in for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a little harder than that one. I think I think it's great, uh, but it's it's a little more work than some of those films. Uh, I loved it. Uh, but it uh, it's one that I feel like you have to kind of sit with for a bit. I have not seen Clute, but I have the disc on my shelf, so I'm excited for that one. After you see it, please check yeah. out, plug, plug, yeah. the recording that I made with Mr. David Blake. Yes. Uh, I think the Peter Bogdanovich What's Up doc is fun. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it it's one of the Barbara Streisand roles that I really, really enjoy. I think she's delightful in it. Uh, I think that The Star is Born, the 70s version, is pretty awful. I concur. Uh, so I haven't seen a lot of the other ones from this that are uh, expiring. And, you know, I think performance is okay. I think performance is interesting, and it's one that I'll probably revisit as well at some point. But it's uh, it's interesting. So the, I, there, are, there are things that are, that are interesting in here. The stuff that's, that's uh, leaving, I haven't seen Welcome to L.A., and I haven't seen Thank God It's Friday. I haven't seen Shaft yet either. That's one I'll probably prioritize uh, catching. Shaft is fun. Yeah. So there, there's stuff that I'm, I'm eager to catch from the set, but there's not a lot that is really jumping out at me from it. The, the number two thing that people are really excited to catch uh, before, they le- before it leaves is the starring Sidney Poitier bundle. People are very are very eager to catch that, and I think that's that's a pretty big bundle, and there's a lot there that people are eager to get to before they leave. Number three is the Peter Greenaway set, and uh, those short films especially are really hard to find, so I, I do recommend people catch those before they leave. Uh, those are going to be uh, a real challenge to get anywhere else. Uh, number four is the uh, Alicia Roadwalker film. So I'm glad to see that people are uh, excited to catch those as well. That is that. Those are the uh, Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of April. So we did it. We made it through. I cannot believe it. And when you're about to cut to commercial break, I would not blame you at all for passing out for the next 45 seconds. I will. <laughs> I will roust you when we have to come back uh, in a few minutes. (laughs) I appreciate that. Uh, Well, uh, Robert, while we're in the middle of this uh, current crisis, I do want to check in with the guests. And just are there any organizations or groups or is there anything that you would like to encourage people to donate to or to support during this time? I feel like the other Criterion podcasts are very much handling... Uh, all of the arts things that need to be supported, uh, local movie theaters, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just going to put a spotlight on those local restaurants that you absolutely love. Now, you might not feel comfortable going out and getting takeout or getting food delivered, and I do not blame you in any way, shape, or form, but restaurants are often the ones that need the influx of money right away or else they're going to completely go under. So here's what I would recommend you do. I would recommend that you call the restaurants and ask to get a gift certificate. Get yourself, mm-hmm. if you can afford it in any way, get yourself a gift certificate for $100 
that you then keep and you can use after uh, the crisis is over. In doing so, they'll get an immediate influx of cash that they might absolutely need. So uh, before I left Los Angeles, I called uh, my local curry place that I went to with uh, my fellow writers every day after I finished work at Rideback and made sure to uh, get a $200 gift card from them. And uh, if you can do so, I highly recommend it. Now, what about you, Josh? Well, I uh, I am going to continue to really recommend people go out and support their local theaters. I think that those are pretty, you know, we have so many of our local theaters right now that are struggling, but I also really want to encourage people to support their local food banks. I think those are places that are struggling right now. These are, are these are organizations that rely on typically older volunteers. They rely on people coming by to drop off donations. And uh, so if you can go online, find your local food bank and give a donation, I think this is this is the time to do it. If you, you know, I, I am really lucky and fortunate. I still have a job. I can work from home. And um, one of the things that my boss has been really uh, trying to encourage, not just his, his uh, employees, but also the, uh, the people that he kind of has influence over, uh, is just saying, you know, this is a time where if, you, if, you have, if you're lucky enough to have a job, this is a time when we need to be giving and uh, supporting people in need. Uh, because uh, we're in the middle of a really uh, a really big crisis, and so I think food banks are the are a, a really going to be a big source of uh, a big a big place of need right now. So that would be my my non arts related uh, plug uh, during this time. And it's a great one. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at Robert Taylor Writer of Stuff because I am a writer of stuff. And visit uh, my website, uh, the Robert Taylor Odyssey. Uh, if you would like to read about film noir, I have just finished covering the 2019 Criterion releases and I'm now transitioning back into covering all things noir. Awesome. Thanks. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of CriterionCast at Patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at Patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. 
For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to thank all of our current Patreon supporters. Your support for the show really does mean so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, Robert and I sit down to try to make him laugh with comedies that are only available on the Criterion Channel's permanent streaming-only library. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.